0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Jeff. Joining me, as always, is my co-host from Seattle, Mark A. Johnson. Mark, uh, welcome to the show. Welcome back.
1: Happy to be here.
0: Uh, we just wanted to we wanted to start off here a little bit different than we than we do sometimes. Uh, you know, we're kind of a, a silly show. We like to look at the the lighter side of baseball. Some uh, some of the crazier things, crazy people, fun stuff like that, and uh, it's been kind of a, a strange week here in this country, and uh, both Mark and I have been discussing here amongst ourselves as well as with some other, uh, other people that we, we talk with a lot that do some other podcasts about, you know, should we have a podcast this week? And uh, we've decided that we're going to go ahead, we're going to do an episode this week um, we're gonna. It might be a little bit shorter. We had a, a topic uh, that we were gonna discuss this week. That's a little bit. It's a little bit too close to to home. A little bit might be some something that we don't want to talk about with what's going on today. But we also wanted to just acknowledge what's going on in this country. The the pain, the suffering, the helplessness that people are feeling, and uh, we wanted to acknowledge that but still go ahead and do a show and give some people a chance to maybe not think about that for an hour. So that's why we're here. We're going to, we're going to carry on and uh, Mark, will try to, we'll try to keep everybody occupied for an hour and and maybe their minds off of stuff for a little bit.
1: Yeah. uh, Believe me, we, uh, we know what's going on and we want to be respectful as possible, but we thought people might want to have maybe a little holiday from all of the tragedy that's going on around and maybe talk a little bit of baseball.
0: Yeah. And I, I just can't wait, get wait to get back to, to being angry at the Astros and uh, <laughs> at, at major league baseball for, for, you know, doing what they're doing to the minor leagues. And the fact that we don't, we're probably not going to have baseball this year probably makes it a little bit harder, but yeah, let's, let's just, we do want to just, like I said, acknowledge um, we're not, uh, we're not ignoring it, but we're just going to try to give everybody a little bit of uh, respite from it. So we might not be quite as chipper uh, as we usually try to be, but uh, we, we appreciate you you joining us for, for a little bit of time to escape. So, Mark, we got some things to talk about here in the pregame show. Thankfully, none of it, it has to do with the Yankees or the Mets and who is the all-time leader. <laughs> I think we might have finally closed the door on that
1: one. Yeah, I hope so. You never know, though, these cold cases.
0: Well, I can tell you that next week I am going to, I'm going to, I'm going to hit that for, for another group of teams. So just be prepared.
1: Oh man. Okay.
0: We're, we're going to, we're going to revisit it, you know, kind of. All right. uh, I'll get
1: get my PR team ready.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, It's something I did want to talk to you about, uh, something that I saw online had caused quite a bit of discussion on Reddit and I thought it would be a great thing to discuss here and, you know, get your take on this as well. It was regarding a list that somebody created where they listed the five greatest living baseball players still alive. Yeah. So in order, they went, and this is what touched the whole thing off, they went Willie Mays, Hank Aaron, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens and Ricky Henderson. So what, uh, w- what are your thoughts? One on that list. And if you had to list your five living greatest baseball players.
1: Well, just the fact that Willie Mays and Hank Aaron are alive. That puts them on the list because I, two I of the greatest players completely ever picked up a bat. Um, the one that surprises me is Ken Griffey Jr. is not on there. And, he had, you know, 600 career home runs, had a, a you know, all around a, a great player defensively, everything. And uh, I didn't hear his name.
0: Now, I, I'm a little surprised by Bonds. I'm definitely supply, surprised by Clemens. Yeah. I, I think, you know, Bonds, you know, and, and for me also, I, I think you got to go. Are they Hall of Fame? Are, are they in the Hall of Fame? Because if you're, you know, I mean, is Pete Rose one of the top five? I don't right. think so. No. Um, you know, where's Mike Schmidt in this list? Yeah. I, I think Bonds and Clemens definitely are not there for me. For me, I'm going to put Ricky on there. But I could easily see him not being on the on the top five. I'm going to put him there just because I'm me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But uh, one of the names that was brought up a lot was Mike Trout. Dis- mm-hmm. And I disagree. I I, I think he's a the best player in the game, but is he the one of the best five living? Not for me. Hmm. Uh, remember Bob Gibson is still alive. Sandy <laughs> Koufax is still alive.
1: That's a good point.
0: Uh, I, I mean, there's a lot of guys again. I think I, I already said Mike Schmidt. I mean, Mike Schmidt is somebody that for some reason I think continually gets overlooked. And that guy is one of the best players to ever play the game. Oh, Brooks Robinson is still alive. I believe no, that's true. Isn't he?
1: Didn't Brooks, isn't that the guy that won 16 straight gold gloves?
0: Yep. The, yep 16. The vacuum. Yeah. The, real, folks,
1: drill down on that a little bit and think about how crazy that is. That's playing 16 years as a starting major league third baseman. That in itself is a feat. Winning the gold glove every single year as you get older every year, that's ridiculous. That is, that is unbelievable. That just, just blows me away.
0: Yeah, and, and let us not forget, you know, Greg Maddox. Uh, Randy Johnson. I mean, I, I also think that a lot of these people in this thread might be young or they might just be suffering from recency bias where, you know, sure. I know I know, I clearly never saw Willie Mays play, but I know how great he was. Um, I did get to see Mike Schmidt play at the kind of the tail end of his career. Uh, so, you know, George Brett, I got to see at the end mm-hmm. of his career. Mm-hmm. So these are, these are names that I, I think are getting overlooked as well in terms of greatest five players that are living.
1: Yeah, that, that, the top five should really be a who's who of true greatness. If you're, if you're whittling it down to five, you because know, I can take it down to the top 35. And that, I can, that's easy. <laughs> I can get y'all in there. <laughs> but five, whew, man, you're, you're counting out some of the best players in
0: the game. I think his list was, was ridiculous to begin with. But uh, some of these other, you know, again, people, Kurt Schilling's name came up. I mean, that's just (laughs) ridiculous. And and then that kind of leads me into something that I know you want to talk about. And that's the MLB network with their 800 hours of Derek Jeter programming.
1: Oh, torture and incessant torture. We We did not see or hear about Derek Jeter enough when he was playing. We need a freaking marathon.
0: We've admitted he's a Hall of Fame player.
1: He is a first ballot Hall of Famer, deserves it.
0: He wasn't the best shortstop playing during his career, let alone no. at any point. No. I could, I, this would be something we can discuss another time, but we need to really break down his numbers. Was Derek Jeter ever the best shortstop in the game at any point he played?
1: Never. No way. And, and the reason why is he paralleled with A-Rod, a-Rod was better as as a hitter. And we can talk about Mr. Jeter's defense. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, full.
0: Derek Jeter was not a great defender. But, yeah, and and, and offensively, he was above average. Yeah, I, uh-huh. this is something we, we, I think we should really break it down another time where we can look at his numbers and really drill into them. But I know you wanted to just mention, kind of give Major League Baseball Network an eye roll and I can, I can agree with you.
1: 13 hours of Derek Jeter. Look, uh, I saw one well, 13. comment. No, it
0: was more than that, wasn't it? Is it, it like more than that? Three days straight, I thought.
1: Uh, I, all I know is my brain can only process the idea of 13 hours. Anything else <laughs> that would have shut down. But like we, like we were bombarded with Derek Jeter his entire career, man. My gosh, we've seen enough Derek Jeter.
0: He was a biracial yeah. angel.
1: I tell you what, man, it, I hear stuff like, oh, he's the greatest shortstop of all time. OK, no, not even close. He's the greatest Yankee of all time. No, not even close. I can make an argument that he wasn't ever the greatest Yankee on his own team.
0: That's the, the recency bias right there of people that have only seen him or only followed the Yankees since he was on the team.
1: Jeff, do you know what uh, the stat defensive run saved is?
0: I I know of it, yes.
1: Yeah, I'm not going to try and explain it because there are podcasts that do this way better than we do. So I'm not going to get mixed up in this, but defensive runs saved. Basically, it measures the number of runs a player saved or cost his team on defense related to the average player. So any positive numbers above average, zero's the average, and your best fielders typically fall into a range of about plus 15 to plus 20 for a season.
0: And do you do you know do you know what I'm looking at defensive runs saved above average for Derek Jeter?
1: Yeah, I do. I was going to bring up that amount. Defensive runs saved for Derek Jeter is negative one sixty two.
0: That is not good. No, and saved above average, he is a minus one sixty five.
1: <laughs> See what I'm Versus saying? This is an
0: average player, <laughs> average um, defender.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, now, and folks, I, I know everybody jumps on gold gloves. Look at the gold gloves he won. Well, you know what? I hate to say it, but to win a gold glove, you also have to be kind of a hitter. They're not going to give the uh, gold glove to Joe, the shortstop in Kansas City, who made way more plays than Derek Jeter ever did, but can only hit 210. That's a fact.
0: I mean, really, you need to look at range too. Did Derek Jeter have the range? No, that's what, he didn't get to as many balls as some better shortstops did, so he didn't even have the chance to throw them away. But he also
1: uh, he also had what we call a homer scorer, so he didn't yeah, make any errors.
0: I, I mean, let's face, I mean, Derek Jeter was and, and is a and always will be a very popular player. He plays for the Yankees. That's the team everybody defaults to if you don't know who to root for. Hell, I rooted for the Yankees when they won that first World Series. Uh, in junior high, I had a Yankees hat because Ricky Henderson was on the Yankees. That's right, yeah. There you go. <laughs> but yeah, so Major League Baseball. Come on, man. Give us a break. Play some better play some better games.
1: Yeah, if you want to grab somebody and say, hey, take a look at some highlight reels, grab Albert Pujols or Vlad Guerrero. Somebody that can really hit all over the place and play in, in, in a manner that is, just completely takes charge.
0: He's a good hitter. We'll put it that way.
1: He is a very good hitter.
0: (laughs) All right. So uh, Derek Jeter, enough of that. Yeah. All right. So let's, uh, I've got one or two just quick little things here. I've got some other things we could talk about, but uh, I'll save those for another show. Just a couple of quick facts I found here during this last week. 1994, it was the the strike shortened season, no World Series. Brett Saberhagen, our favorite Midwest car dealership rapper, Mm -hmm. He finished, this is an incredible stat, he finished with more wins than walks allowed that year.
1: That's crazy.
0: Yeah, he finished with 14 wins and walked only 13 batters in 1994.
1: I've never heard of anything like that. Amazing. Yeah,
0: so 1994, he went uh, 14 and 4 in 24 games, 4 complete games. And uh, only walked 13 batters. Only gave up 13 home runs. Wow. Not bad. Finished third in the Cy Young voting that year. Though. <laughs> what? The Cy Young uh, in 1994 went to uh, Greg Maddox. All right. Well, oh, I'm, I'm, well. Not gonna, I'm not going to yeah. argue with Greg Maddox. And Saberhagen at this point was not on the Royals. He was on the Mets. Right. And Ken Hill finished second as well from the Expos. Hmm pretty pretty cool fact. Also, uh this was uh, this I, I want to make sure to say because this kind of goes along with the one topic we are going to cover this week. Remember Brett Tomko picture? I remember him mainly I think with the Reds. The Reds, yeah. Not to talk about the NBA cuz that's something I really don't like to talk about, but the Cleveland Cavaliers. Brett Tomko's dad came up with the team name for the Cleveland Cavaliers by <laughs> winning a by winning a contest to name the team in a newspaper.
1: Brett Tomko's dad?
0: Yeah. That's so random. That is very random. <laughs> <laughs> but you'll see how that kind of ties into my topic today. So Okay. Brett Tomko is responsible for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Well, his dad is, at least. Yes. Kind of slim pickings today on the uh, on the debuts. This show is debuting on June 2nd, and I I really had this kind of pick and choose here just some some players by name alone not not a lot happening today first in 1989 Jeff King made his debut for the Pittsburgh Pirates against the New York Mets he had a pinch hit in the top of the 11th he doubled off of Rick Aguilera came around and scored the go-ahead run but then the the 89 Pirates bullpen let him down and gave up two runs in the bottom of the 11th to lose Jeff King was a first overall draft pick by the Pirates in the 1986 draft. Really, I I think of Jeff King as, a, I guess, a lot better player than his numbers kind of reflect. His career OPS plus is 99, which is obviously below 100, which is the average. He did hit 103 home runs in his final four seasons, plus 21 games. Wow. Oh. Which, I mean, that was right in the heart of the steroid era. I'm not saying that Jeff King was using steroids, but for him to hit more than half of his career total in the last four seasons, I'm saying it's possible that he might have been doing something. (laughs) Jeff King was born in Marion, Indiana. So I just wanted to mention that his birthplace is actually has two two songs from the music man involved with it. Marrying the Librarian and Gary Indiana, so there you go.
1: Yeah, I I know both those songs. I I, I kind of know my uh, show tunes.
0: I love the Music Man. I'm sorry, absolutely. My
1: the Music Man's awesome.
0: Gary Indiana sung on film by uh, Mr. Ron Howard. That's right. With a lisp. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's great. We're doing a Music Man uh, podcast here on out.
1: Ooh, okay.
0: Uh, My second debut This happened a recent one Obviously still playing 2015 Joey Gallo makes his debut For the Texas Rangers Versus the Chicago White Sox Gallo went 3 for 4 With 4 RBIs Struck out once Walked once Had a double and a home run So he had the home run, the walk And the strikeout of course Uh, This all came off of Oakland A's Legend Jeff Samarja He is a legend. He's legendary here in the Bay Area. Joey Gallo, of course, I think we've mentioned this before, Little League teammates with both Bryce Harper and Chris Bryant in Las Vegas. That's awesome. Actually in Henderson, Nevada, which I just, it's called Henderson, so I'm going to note it. It's a suburb of Las Vegas. Yes. Joey Gallo is the 11th fastest player to reach 50 home runs. He did it in 204 games, just ahead of Frank Robinson, who did it in 213 games. And when he passed that, when he when he hit his 50th career home run, at that point he only had 47 career singles. Oh, so it's, He's one of those true, you know, three-true-outcome kind of guys.
1: Yeah, I guess so.
0: So Joey Gallo made his debut today, five years ago. All right, Mark, I asked you a trivia question last week. Kind of something to do with what we are both involved with in baseball. And my question was, in which year and what team was the first electric scoreboard ever used in baseball?
1: Um, And I didn't have a clue.
0: I didn't figure you would. This is kind of, this is more of an obscure thing. But when I saw this, you working in, uh, you know, for the Mariners, helping to run the video scoreboard and I running this, helping to run the video scoreboard for a couple of different teams. I thought this was just played right up our alley.
1: It is. It's perfect for us. We should know so, this.
0: <laughs> well, we, I know it now and you're going to know it right now as well. 1908, the Chicago White Sox used the first electric scoreboard ever. It was invented by George Baird of Chicago. So, of course, the White Sox said, hey, we'll, we'll do that. This is before Bill Veck, too, because this would have been right at Bill Veck's hour. Oh, sure. It was constructed. The, the White Sox were at that point playing in Southside Park 2, because Southside Park 1 burnt down, as they all did, and used switches that were operated by someone which would change the numbers. I bet you they just had to flip certain switches to get it, you know, to change from a zero to a one. They probably had to flip four different switches to make yeah, that
1: happen. Probably, yeah. Or take two uh, wires and put them together and twist them around. And now this will work, you know. Maybe <laughs> While hot standing wire. in
0: water. <laughs> a lot of exposed wires back in those days. Yeah. Uh, but there, so 1908, it's been over 100 years there's been electronic scoreboards in baseball, which I thought was kind of incredible. Who knew? Uh, so... I got a new question for you, and uh, this one is about the Braves franchise, now in Atlanta. Of course, they started in Boston, moved to Milwaukee, and then ended up where they are now in Atlanta. So my question to you is, who is the only Braves player to have played for the organization in all three cities that it is called home?
1: Oh, jeez. I'm just trying to think of who, whose career could have spanned those years in particular somebody that stuck around for a while. I don't think it's Hank Aaron.
0: All right. So let's, uh, let's wrap up the BP segment here. We'll let the grounds crew do their thing. Uh, Like we said, we've only got, we're just going to do one topic here today uh, in light of what's going on around the the country. And I mentioned earlier when we were talking about uh, Brett Tomko and his dad, winning the contest to name the Cleveland Cavaliers of the National Basketball Association. Well, today I have a topic where I wanted to quickly go over the history of New York baseball team nicknames. This is going to cover four teams, the Yankees, the Giants, the Dodgers, and the Mets. So any, any of the four major teams that have played in New York This is how they got their nicknames. And Mark, what if I told you that the New York Yankees originated in Baltimore as the Baltimore Orioles? Really? No, I did not know that. The Baltimore Orioles were founded in 1901 as one of the American League's original eight teams. It was actually a reformed Western League that was brought together by Ban Johnson in order to try and compete with the National League. Johnson wanted a team in New York, as one would, since it's, you know, a great big city with a lot of money. It was the largest city, and, of course, you know, if you can make it there, you can, you know, make it anywhere. The New York Giants, though, said, no, hold on. We don't need more people here competing against us. They had enough political clout that they held out, and there would not be an American League team in New York. Essentially kicking them out, saying, you don't have to go home, you can't play here. <laughs> so the franchise settled in Baltimore as the Orioles. Uh, Baltimore was a city that the National League had abandoned just a year earlier. The American League and the National League battled at each other for a couple of years with some really unscrupulous tactics. Eventually, there was a peace conference called in 1903, and Ban Johnson once again requested permission to put a team in New York City. It was put to a vote, and by a vote of 15 to 1, the American League was allowed to put a franchise in New York City. Can you guess who that one vote against was cast by?
1: Um, I'm going to go with uh, John McGraw. Uh,
0: Well, the New York Giants. Okay. (laughs) The New York Giants said, again, we still don't want you here, but they were outvoted. Uh, The Orioles moved to New York. They played at Hilltop Park in North Manhattan, which was one of the highest points in the borough. The team then became known as the Highlanders simply because their park was located higher than the polo grounds where the Giants (laughs) played. And, of course, you know, there can only be one because there's my Highlander reference. There you go.
1: I always thought Highlanders would have been their name for more of a badass reference. But I guess being high up on land is okay.
0: Uh, There was also uh, they were also known by a couple of other names, the New York Americans, because they were in the American League. Very clever. In 1904, however, New York sports writer Jim Price started calling them the Yanks because it was shorter than either the Highlanders or the Americans and was easier to fit in headlines in the newspaper. So he just made up a nickname for them. (laughs) Eventually, the Highlanders moved to a newly constructed polo grounds where they shared that with the Giants Since their park was no longer higher than the Polo Grounds, the team became known as the Yankees, and in 1913, they officially adopted the new moniker. So realistically, the world's most famous sports franchise was simply named because their name fit better in a headline than anything else.
1: (laughs) That's pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, so take that, Derek Jeter.
1: (laughs) Put down your pipe and smoke it, pal. (laughs) All
0: right, next we've got the New York slash San Francisco Giants. So while Yankees history involved moving cities, changing names due to altitude and, you know, newspaper headlines, the Giants history is a bit shorter. It's actually a lot shorter. The New York City baseball team began playing in 1883 as the New York Gothams, or sometimes they were just referred to as the the New Yorks. That lasted two whole seasons until 1885 when they became the Giants. Now, there are a couple of theories as to why they switched their nicknames. The first is that after a big victory against the Phillies, manager Jim Mutrie, Mutrie, M-U-T-R-I-E, I I don't know how you say that exactly, Mutrie, burst into the locker room after the game and exclaimed, My big fellows, my giants, we are the people. (laughs) (laughs) That just sounds like some really bad fiction writing.
1: Man, that would inspire me to grow.
0: (laughs) My big fellows, my giants, we are the people. Just think if he would have burst in and said, my dudes, my swole daddies, we are the world. We are the children.
1: (laughs) Oh, man. I think um, someday they would have made a brighter day.
0: (laughs) We could be, we could today be talking about the San Francisco swole daddies. That's right. So, most believable research that I saw, though, said that New, the New York World newspaper started calling them the Giants throughout the season, and it just stuck. Sometimes they were even referred to in the local papers as the Gotham Giants, which is, I think, pretty cool.
1: Sounds scary. Uh,
0: New York uh, national papers soon caught on, and they were obviously still referred to as Giants throughout their history up till today where they are obviously still a giants as well regardless of which city they call home next we've got the brooklyn slash los angeles dodgers this franchise started out as the brooklyn athletics in 1883 in the american association from there they changed names as often as edwin jackson changes teams these days Mm -hmm. they were known as the grays the bridegrooms the grooms and the superbas In 1895, the Brooklyn Trolley Dodgers was coined. The thing is, in 1895, the Dodgers were playing at Eastern Park, which was not bordered by any streets on which trolleys ran. So kind of odd that they would take that name at that point. But it was still, it was a good name and it stuck. Between 1910 and 1920, they were sometimes referred to as the Brooklyn Robins after they were led to pennants by manager Wilbert Robinson. Then in 1932, they officially became known as the Brooklyn Dodgers, and it stuck from there. So I've always been fascinated by that name, the Superbas, because yeah. I never knew what a Superba was.
1: It's not a uh, Japanese car?
0: That's kind of what I thought it was. It's very close to a Suru, but no. So I looked <laughs> it up, though. In the late 1800s, there was a traveling troop of English siblings called the Hanlon Brothers, who were an acrobatic and pantomime group. And they were very popular. They would travel around, and the show that they put on was called Superba. So at one point, the Dodgers were managed by a guy named Ned Hanlon, who was no relation to the Hanlon brothers that put on this show. They just shared the same last name. But that didn't stop people from calling the team Hanlon's Superbas in homage, and it kind of just stuck.
1: That's funny. That's
0: ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. uh, Interesting note, if you either uh, type into Google the name Brooklyn Superbus or the St. Louis Perfectos, the Perfectos were that team that looted the 1899 Cleveland Spiders roster. If you put any of those two team names in Google, Google will give you the Los Angeles Dodgers or the St. Louis Cardinals baseball schedule. So. Literally, if you time traveled from the late 1800s and could grasp what the internet and Google were, you know, what they actually <laughs> did, and you rooted for either the perfectos or the Superbas, you could still follow your team that, you know, if they were still playing. There you go. Which they're not right now. But imagine you travel from Brooklyn, 1899, and you're like, man, I'm ready for some baseball. Show me the Superbas and and then get what you got going on today. That'd be quite a shock.
1: And you know, a way to do it might be to, to get Doc Brown on top of it uh, because he's pretty successful at that sort of thing.
0: Doesn't he wear a baseball hat at some point uh, in like a different a movie? Oh, <laughs> in, in the outfield. In, in none of the Back to the Future movies, Doc Brown doesn't wear a baseball hat. I thought he wore like a Yankees hat or something.
1: Eh, not that I remember. But then again,
0: I haven't seen I haven't seen one of those movies for thirty years, so I don't know. Yeah. All right, so our final New York team is the Mets. 1957 was obviously a huge year in the evolution of Major League Baseball. The New York Giants and the Brooklyn Dodgers moved west to California. And as somebody who has had their favorite team in a sport relocate, and as as somebody that else is also always waiting for their favorite baseball team to be relocated out of Oakland, unfortunately, I know what kind of heartbreak this causes. Well, New York City lost not just one, but two of the biggest baseball teams ever, leaving Mm -hmm. only the Yankees as residents. It would take five years, but New York would get a second team, the Metropolitans. Now, we've discussed before the Mets logos and colors. The colors are derived from the Dodgers blue and the Giants orange, hoping to draw some of the estranged fans of the two departed teams as fans of the expansion Mets. When we covered minor league teams during the offseason, we often talked about how teams would come up with their names, and it was inevitably the same story. They held a contest and let the fans vote. Well, the Mets were no different. That's how they got their name. The finalists uh, fans were choosing from were the Avengers, which, oh, wow. can you imagine the marketing goldmine that would be today? <laughs> that would be crazy. <laughs> the bees. The Burroughs, but that's spelled like the animal, which it really should have been spelled like a burrow, you know, like Queens, Manhattan, Brooklyn, Bronx, etc. cetera. Oh, that would have been
1: cool. I always thought you were going to say Jeff Burroughs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: next, we've got the Continentals, the Jets, the Mets, which obviously they chose. NYBS, which I have no idea what it stands for. All I could find was uh, Google told me about New York business systems, which I doubt was what they were voting for. <laughs> okay. If any New York baseball sportsman, um, uh, New York baseball Steves. Yeah, I don't maybe. Know. If anybody knows what NYBS stands for, please tell us. We don't know. We can't figure it out.
1: Even Andrew um, Webbs doesn't say.
0: No, I, I, like, I, I mean, I didn't spend as little time apparently as when I was looking up Mets Yankees hits leaders. But yes, <laughs> I could not find anything. Yes. Uh, the remaining names were Rebels, Skyliners, and Skyscrapers. But hmm. uh, they, they came, they, they came in voting for the Metropolitans, and there you have it, the New York Mets. So there it is. There is your nickname history of uh, all of your teams that have played and called New York home in Major League Baseball.
1: That's actually very interesting because I hadn't thought it all the way through before and how many different name changes and so on there were. It was, uh, it was the center of the baseball world for a long time.
0: And according to, to a lot of the uh, current baseball media, it still is.
1: <laughs> I would uh, wholeheartedly agree with you there.
0: Thusly, why you get 17 days straight of Derek Jeter. <laughs>
1: 17 days of singles and barely missing diving for balls.
0: <laughs> All right. So that's going to wrap up the, uh, our main story segment here today, Mark, we're going to get a chance to do something that we have not done in quite some time.
1: All right. This is, I've been looking forward to this
0: and, and that is you and I are actually going to play a head to head wax pack heroes battle. So, uh, Without further ado, let's get right into it. Let's do it. to pull the wax back hero. Back, in his back, eyes. back, hero! All right, Mark, so it's been a while, so let me refresh your memory on our standings board right now. You are currently the leader, you are on top with 13 wins. I have 12. So uh, let's see if maybe I can, I can pull even once again here or if you're going to widen your lead. Now, if, you, if you've been living under a rock or haven't been listening to our show, we just concluded the first annual Bump Bailey Wax Pax Hero Tournament of Awesome a couple weeks ago. If you want to catch up or haven't seen it before, you can find it all on our YouTube channel. Uh, we had some, uh, some other internet personalities join us and we, we played Wax Packs Heroes in a head-to-head competition. I bought a whole bunch of different cards for that for that contest, one of which was uh, 1986 Don Russ, which is one of my favorite sets, and we never opened it. The, the big wheel never landed on 86 Donruss. So today, Mark, we are going to open 1986 Don Russ cards. Oh, wow, this is good. If you're new here, we've got a couple of rules uh, for this. We've got, first of all, a uh, May 1992 Beckett's Baseball Card Monthly. This is the... Bible that we will use to get the value for these cards since, you know, not worth anything otherwise. We've got a couple of additional rules. If you are sporting a mustache, you get an extra cent. If you are wearing real stirrups that we can see, you get an extra cent. If you are wearing the fake two-in-one stirrups, you get a minus one cent. I don't think that's going to be a problem with 1986 cards, but it's still there. And then finally, if you're a Hall of Famer, you get an extra five cents so this uh this year though i'm just telling you is has got some good cards money wise so we could we could end up with a record here wow, well let's try for it yeah so if last week on our our guest uh did not fare so well we i'm just going to tell you that we have got another guest coming up next week that had a much different experience with his Wax pack <laughs> Heroes. So make sure to join us next week uh, for that. But Mark, I'm going to give you the option, since you have the biggest beard out of the both of us, uh, <laughs> that allows you the chance to choose which pack you would like to open, whether it be the left or the right.
1: You know, I've been jumping back and forth, and I've been pretty accurate. I feel like this time I want to go for the right pack.
0: You can go for the right pack. All right. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to have you open yours first. All right. So I've got yours here. Just looking at Beckett here, in 1992, this complete set was worth $120. Wow. There are several cards in here that are worth over $2. There is a Fred McGriff rookie card worth $14 in Woo! here. The Nolan Ryan is worth $325. I mean, we've got some, uh, uh, there's a Cecil Fielder rookie card for $17. There are some big money cards in here that uh, oh well and okay I forgot about the Jose Conseco rookie card that's worth $55. So <laughs> this could be a blowout if one of us hits one of these cards.
1: Yeah no doubt. I mean this this can set a record for sure. Yeah, yeah.
0: so all right so we're gonna go ahead and open your pack here. Uh, we've got a puzzle piece here. I'm not sure there's no it doesn't I can't see any portion of it to see who it is. It's a Hank Aaron puzzle. So if you need this piece, Uh, uh, just... I have that one. Let me know. It's 43, 44, and 45. Yeah, I have that one. Which maybe 44 is more valuable because this is Hank Aaron, and that was his jersey number.
1: Yeah, it is. It's a little bit more.
0: All right. So we're going to start off here with uh, center fielder for the Cubs. This uh, gentleman, I believe, has a son that has made the major leagues as well. It is Gary Matthews.
1: Gary Matthews sure I remember him. Uh yeah, Gary Matthews Jr is as actually a pretty gar- pretty darn good ball player.
0: Now I'm not sure if uh if I can get my camera to focus uh again you can watch these on YouTube as well. Uh and I am just not sure if that is a mustache on Gary Matthews. We we're pretty liberal here. I'm going to give you a cent. That's all you're going to get off of that. Okay kind of hard to tell if he is indeed wearing a mustache wearing there i am again uh is uh, sporting a mustache or not but i'm gonna go ahead and give you one cent for that one
1: at least he's not wearing a mustache on his outfit
0: no yeah or on his sleeve yeah <laughs> next uh this is a great great name i love this guy's name pitcher for the texas rangers bert hooten,
1: bert hooten. oh yeah uh texas he also pitched did he pitch in toronto
0: well, he came up with the Dodgers, and if he pitched in Toronto, it was after.
1: Oh, after yeah, Rams he was with a the Dodgers. That's right.
0: That card is not worth anything from Beckett's. He does have some real stirrups going on there, for sure. So that'll uh, that'll bump you up to two cents.
1: Uh, I'm starting to build the empire.
0: Yep, you definitely are. Next outfielder for the Baltimore Orioles. I can tell by the padding on the dugout in the back. This was taken... At the Big A in Anaheim, it is Jim Dwyer.
1: Jim, Washer, and
0: Dwyer. Washer, and oh, very nice. Yes. Uh, Let's see, I'm going to guess Jim's not going to get you. Not a big
1: hit, I don't think.
0: (laughs) No, nothing there for for Jimbo. And I don't really have, I remember the name, but I don't don't have anything on Jimbo. Next catcher for your Houston Astros at that point, Alan Ashby. One of my
1: favorite players of all time. But the card won't be worth anything.
0: Yeah, his card is not worth anything in Beckett. He does have a great mustache going on there.
1: He always had the killer mustache.
0: Uh, So that'll get you three cents. Was he an all-star at one point?
1: He was, yeah. He was a pretty darn good catcher. He can hit a little, too.
0: All right, next we've got, uh, here's an actual player I am not familiar with, Rich Bordy, pitcher for the New York Yankees.
1: Bordy? Yeah, that doesn't sound familiar to me either.
0: B-O-R-D-I. Hmm. And,
1: just a uh, C and a K short of Bordick,
0: he is uh, not worth anything, and his stirrups are just out of view, <laughs> like of literally just out of view. But uh, I can definitely see that big mustache of his, so uh, you do get one cent. You just you're you're just chipping away here. Yep. Okay, now this is one of the greatest names in the history of baseball. Uh, this is also taken at Old Comiskey Park. I can tell from the background. It is the designated hitter at this point, for the Minnesota Twins. It is Mr. Mark Funderburk.
1: Oh, Funderburk. I forgot about that guy.
0: <laughs> that is one of the great names in baseball absolutely. history. Absolutely. Funder-
1: fear Funderburg. into your heart. Funderburk.
0: <laughs> you know, if he was playing today, there is no way he would not be walking up to Thunderstruck by AC. No, no, it's
1: absolutely Better true. yet,
0: the version by the Steven Seagulls, with the banjo and the washboard, that would be great. <laughs> that would truly be great. But that is only worth one cent, and that's because he's got a great mustache.
1: I'm struggling here.
0: <clears throat> yeah, you really are. Next, you're going to probably just get one cent from this because he's wearing real stirrups. It is shortstop for the California Angels, Dick Schofield.
1: Dick Schofield. Yeah, uh, kind of a light-hitting but good defensive shortstop. Played for a long time.
0: Yep. Yeah. That might be worth anything. Yep, it is definitely not. But that is uh, a very apt description of Mr. Schofield. (laughs) So that bumps you up to six cents. Look at you go. All right. This is a good name. Uh, Orioles. uh, I remember him on, on the Red Sox as well. He's listed as an outfielder here. It is Mr. Fred Lynn.
1: Oh, man. Fred Lynn played forever. Could hit a ton. Good outfielder, too.
0: Uh, yeah, good hitter, not worth anything, unfortunately, and uh, no value, no value at all. No mustache, and he's uh, in a cage there. Looks like in the big A and getting ready to take BP. So like nothing I said, there. Uh, he's worthless. All right, this I like this guy. I remember when he was on the Giants. I think he was on the '89 Giants uh, when they when they played the A's in the World Series. In fact, I'm almost positive of it. Here he is with the Milwaukee Brewers, Mr. Ernest. Ernie Riles,
1: Ernie Riles, yeah, yeah. Um, trying to, I, I remember him with Texas. I thought,
0: uh, well, let's see. At this point, uh, this is his rookie card, and he came oh, up okay. with the Brewers. So he could have gone to the uh, could have gone to the Rangers after the Giants, uh, or in between. I don't know.
1: Hmm, I might be able to find out.
0: Uh, Next, we've got outfielder for the Baltimore Orioles. I think all these Orioles pictures were taken during one game when they were visiting the Angels. Uh, (laughs) Outfielder, Larry Sheets.
1: Larry dancing in the sheets. Yeah, I don't remember a lot about him either.
0: I thought he had some, not a whole lot of power, but he had some. Well, at this point, yeah, he had 17 home runs in 85. So your average outfielder at that point. Um, he does have a mustache, though. So, congratulations!
1: <laughs> Yay! Does that take me to seven cents?
0: You are at seven cents. You are correct. I'm rocking. Next, we've got pitcher for the Montreal Expos, Randy St. Clair.
1: I remember Randy St. Clair. I don't remember anything about Randy St. Clair. I just remember him being called in from the bullpen.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I remember. I remember the name, but uh, I don't yeah. remember. Can you think of any other player of note that had, whose last name was Saint anything?
1: Um, No. Saint Mauritius. No.
0: All right. Well, we're going to go from one expo to another one. Bert Robert. I'm assuming wow. that's how you say it.
1: No clue, man.
0: Uh, I, I'm, and I'm pronouncing it that way because he's on Montreal. His yes. last name is spelled R-O-B-E-R-G-E. Roberge? Robert, No clue. Robergi, I think it's There, It's Robert-y? definitely Robergi. Yeah, I just <laughs> looked it up. It's Robergi. All right. Uh, this might be your best card thus far coming oh, up. Oh, good. Pitcher for the Chicago Cubs, Rick Sutcliffe.
1: Rick Sutcliffe, yeah. Big, tall, solid pitcher. Going to throw you a few hundred innings. Nice, uh, well, clean cut. Beard. Does he have the mustache in that picture?
0: Oh yeah, he's got the full beard and mustache. Yeah. He's got real yeah. stirrups.
1: And, and a, he was a darn good picture It really was.
0: Yeah, didn't he won the Cy Young Award one year and was traded mid-year, I believe. Uh, he's a lot better than I remember him. i uh, Maybe, maybe just because he was better before I got into baseball. But uh, that card is worth two cents to bring you up to nine cents. He is one of those guys that I just can't, I mean, I don't listen. I think we've covered this even earlier in this episode. I don't listen to ESPN or watch ESPN for baseball. And he is one of the reasons why I just, I, if he is doing a game and I have to watch it, it's torture to me.
1: Well, maybe there will be something invented in the future where you can watch different people uh, broadcast. Maybe stay tuned. Stay That's tuned a hint.
0: <laughs> a hint for our listeners. That is a hint. Uh all right, next we've got a picture for the California Angels, Stu Cleburn. Never I don't know heard of Stu. <laughs> <laughs> Cleburn. C-L-I-B-U-R-N. Go Stewie. Cleburne. Cleburn. I don't know. He's got a mustache.
1: Oh, good. Thank you,
0: Cleburne. Yeah, So that, that'll put you up at 10 cents. Look at you go. Oh with one gosh. with one card left.
1: And it's the Canseco rookie. It
0: is. <laughs> I hate to break the news to you. It is in no way the Jose Canseco rookie. It is Paul Householder. I remember <laughs>
1: Paul Householder just because he had the name Householder.
0: That is a great name. And actually, this is a great card because he's got a Luis Polonia style glove on here. He's you an outfielder. It is bigger than his head. That is <laughs> uh, if you if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see if you're just listening to us, maybe just Go check this out when we when we put this on YouTube. He has got a glove that goes out of frame. It is so big, <laughs> and That's it great. legitimately look like if he put it on top of his head, he'd look like a, a chef from Benihana. You know, with those real <laughs> tall hats.
1: That's awesome. That
0: is uh, that is quite a look there. But that card's not worth anything, Mark.
1: Yeah, well, so much for housing prices.
0: That <laughs> Paul Householder and and what well you got the good names though you got you got Householder and uh Funderburg.
1: Householder and Funderburk. come see yeah, us. the great law great firm
0: <laughs> great great law firm of Householder and Funderburk. <laughs> but yeah so your total is 10 cents that might be one of our lowest totals ever of any pack we've ever opened
1: that'll that'll learn me to 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 try and actually make a pick for a reason
0: all right so you're uh your pack is is to put put away. I'll open my pack here and we'll see what we get. See if I can It's going to be all John
1: Condalarias.
0: All right, here we've got uh the part of the 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 card is uh pieces 13, 14 and 15. So uh, email me if you need those.
1: I just need 15. Okay. Dog chewed <laughs> it
0: up. Just a one piece. Dog chewed it up. <laughs> all right. So this is this is very promising my start here. Show favorite, and this is a rookie card outfielder for the Rangers, Oda B McDowell.
1: Nice, now that's a rookie card, not the uh, not the U.S. team card.
0: No, it's it he is, had one of those, just, it is just a rookie card. It is unfortunately not worth anything in Beckett's. He does, though, have a mustache, so that was, was right Oda there. Bean,
1: young again McDowell.
0: Yep, just right there, though. I'm I've now only nine cents behind you.
1: Uh, yeah. That was quick, <laughs> catching up quickly
0: Okay, now this guy, pitcher, he pitched on the A's uh, I believe he pitched on the Royals and maybe the Dodgers I did not know that he uh, pitched for the Orioles So it looks like he came up with them It is Storm Davis
1: Oh, sure, Storm Davis Spent. Now, uh, you, he played for a lot of teams Do you know Storm's real name? Um, Annie
0: Very close It's not Anakin it is George Earl Davis Jr., George A.K.A. Davis Storm. Jr. Okay, uh, that card is not worth anything in Beckett, but he is wearing real stirrups, so I will chip away again. A real money and some real money packs here. Yeah, uh, you. I, I vaguely remember this name. You might know him because he was on the Astros. Bill Dowley, pitcher.
1: I have no idea who that is.
0: It is not daily, but it is Dowley. D A W L E Y. Dolly. That is a no no money card. No uh, no value, no stirrups, no mustache. He's been shut out by Bill Dolly. Yeah, he, he did his best performance. Now, this is a great card. Oh, my gosh. This is a fantastic card. I am going to keep this card. At this point, he's on the Yankees. He is listed as a catcher third baseman outfielder. And in this card, he has got four different fielding gloves with him. A catcher glove, a first baseman's glove, a third baseman's glove, and an at- well infielder's glove, a little bit smaller, and an outfielder's glove. It is Scott Bradley.
1: <laughs> Super duper fill-in. Uh, you need him, he'll be there.
0: That is a fantastic <laughs> card. He's like, I'm going to bring all, You want here's all my gloves. That is awesome.
1: Mr. Utility. That is a, Very nice. That is a
0: gr- not worth a cent in any way, shape, or form, but that is a great card. <laughs> All right. Next, we got pitcher lefty for the San Francisco Giants here at Dodger Stadium. It is Dave LaPointe. I think we've talked about him before. Yeah,
1: recently. we've talked about Dave LaPointe.
0: That card, though, not worth anything. One of the uh, next guy, his nickname was the Candy Man, and it's not Candy Maldonado. No. It is pitcher for the California Angels, John Candelaria.
1: Candelaria uh, pitched a while, didn't he?
0: I think he did. Let's see.
1: He uh, just seemed like he was always out there.
0: So he came up with the Pirates, and yeah. uh, Then he went to the Angels, and that's that's six years in. So he had many years after that. I yeah. do know that. So that's only worth one cent because he's got a mustache. Next, we've got pitcher for the New York Yankees, Neil Allen. That's no exciting. Clue. No nothing yeah i I don't remember neil Allen. somebody
1: pre-opened these wax packs
0: i i would not (laughs) doubt it but that card is not worth anything next uh here we go with the second baseman for the for the milwaukee brewers at least he's wearing the cool brewers uniform here it is mr jim gantner
1: jim gantner another uh middle infielder kind of guy pretty good too
0: Yep. So he's got a he's got a blonde mustache. Those are always hard to find. But yes, he does have no, a blonde
1: mustache. They, they still count.
0: But that's all, that's all that that one's worth. That'll bring me up to four cents. Lee Lacey, outfielder for the Baltimore Orioles. Remember that name just because Lee Lacey. These Easy amazing
1: packs of fourth and fifth outfielders and backup catchers.
0: Yeah, this is <laughs> only one cent because he's got a nice mustache. But yeah, not, not much in the way of frontline players here, are they? No. Uh, continuing that trend, pitcher for the Montreal Expos, Joe Hesketh.
1: Joe Hesketh, uh, God, wasn't he with, I, I remember there was something about him. He did something. Uh, was he a White Sox player at one point? Uh, he might have been. Joe Hesketh, I'm trying to remember what, it triggered something. In my head. Then again, I just have a lot of problems mentally, so it could just be yeah. that.
0: <laughs> well, he's also got one of those huge gloves. Remember when pitchers <laughs> used to have huge gloves to try and you know hide what, their, what grip they've got on the ball? Yes, yeah. We also have a thing where we, when we get one exposed pitcher, we have another one right after it. It is Bill Gullickson.
1: Bill Gullickson. I, I do remember that name.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, I remember the name. Remember, he, I think he was a pitching coach as well. I think he also pitched for the Yankees at one point.
1: What I remember for, yeah, he, he pitched for a long time, I think, because I just remember his name always being mentioned. Yeah. Um, let's see what I can find here. Montreal mostly. He did pitch for the Yankees one year. Yeah.
0: Well, that is a big fat goose egg for me. Nothing going there. Clean uh, I am. Five cents behind you with four cards left to go. (laughs) These could be the worst packs we have ever opened, and I'm so excited. (laughs) Okay, well, this is a good-looking card right here. I don't remember. I don't remember this picture for the Chicago Cubs. Warren Brewstar. No clue. He has got a mustache going on. He kind of looks like a mad Hungarian wannabe. Nice. Very nice. That card is not worth anything from Beckett. He does have real stirrups and a mustache, though, so that'll get me two cents. A little <laughs> creeping closer to you. I am at seven cents now. <laughs> Next third baseman for the California Angels, Doug DeSensei.
1: Sure. I'm sure here, sensei.
0: Yep. there He's uh, not, not sporting the stash. I don't think he ever had one. Can't see any stirrups. Looks like it was taken in spring training, but he's got the feathered hair coming out from under the helmet, so... Good for yeah. Doug. This guy had some power for the Milwaukee Brewers first baseman, Cecil Cooper.
1: Oh man. Yeah. Lots of pop. Uh,
0: he's got the mustache. So I get that for one cent to bring me up to eight cents, but uh that is it. My last card here. I'm two cents down. It's 10 to eight. I have got Mr. Andy Hawkins of the San Diego Padres.
1: Was he, was he still prospecty enough at the time?
0: No, in no way, shape, or form. Nor does he have a mustache or real stirrups. Nothing going on there. Wow, what about Hawkins? Yeah, this was a a, this was one of those like uh, you know August, late August games where you're just (laughs) gutting it out in the heat. It was, and just everybody's tired and they're just scraping for anything they can get. But yeah nothing going on there so that will bring our final total to uh 10 to 8 not not very good
1: yeah that is really bad that's the lowest scoring game in history
0: i think it is yeah so that's that's embarrassing but i i guess it's better that we open and get that kind of crappy pack than if we have a guest and we do that yeah.
1: so. we don't want monahan getting a crappy pack again a little rough for him
0: but he was fun and had some good stories. That's he really was. He
1: was, he, he, was uh, he was really fun to talk with. I, I wouldn't mind having him on again.
0: Yeah. So that'll do it. That uh, with that win, Mark, that will extend your lead. You are now uh, leading 14 to 12. So uh, congratulations. I'll take to you.
1: that, that huge dominant victory right there.
0: <laughs> congratulations. All right. So let's, uh, let's start to wrap up the show here. We will uh, start off by, as we always do, thanking you for listening. We really do appreciate it. Uh, if you want to tell a friend, Uh, rate review us wherever you are listening to this podcast we really do appreciate it Uh, every time that you listen to us uh, we appreciate you and like we said this week we hope we can hopefully just provide you with maybe an hour of not having to think about what's going on in this world Uh, as it's i know it's certainly been hard for us Uh, hopefully this was helpful to you Uh, if you do want to uh, follow us elsewhere you can find us on social media I'm not going to lie, we have not been quite as active this last week because of what's been going on. Uh, kind of hard to muster up as much uh, motivation. And I frankly just sometimes I don't think baseball is as important as some of the things that are going on elsewhere. So, um, but we are generally pretty active on both Twitter and Instagram. You can find us at two strike noise. That is at TWO Strike Noise on both of those platforms. Uh, You can also just do a search for us on YouTube if you want to see any of these Wax Packs Heroes. Bump Bailey Wax Packs Hero Tournament of Awesome. And we've also, we're going to start putting some other videos that we make up there. Make sure to do that. Mark, they can also get a hold of us via email.
1: Sure, you can write us at 2 strike noise. spell it out, noise at gmail.com.
0: Uh, yes, yeah, so that's great. We've got a, another great uh, guest joining us next week, a former Major League player. You might not remember his name, but I'm going to guarantee you you remember some video of him. He did some stuff that was uh, he was a lot of fun. He's uh, got a really big personality. He's doing some really cool, interesting stuff now as well. And uh, we hope you will join us next week for that. We had a good time with him. I'm not going to tell you who it is, though. Uh, but hopefully we'll be—it'll uh, be a little bit happier place. I, I don't know how it can be a whole lot happier next week, but uh, hopefully things will start to get a little bit better for everybody. Stick in there, and uh, Mark. I'm not even going to ask again. We have a lot of fun doing this, so I know you'll be back next week, and uh, we can do—we uh, can do another, We can do another episode. What do you say?
1: Uh, they still ain't letting me out of the house, so I might as well do another one.
0: Well, that's what house arrest means, Mark. Oh but, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yes. But uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll catch you again next week on another episode of Two Strike Noise.
1: Thank you. God bless you. Good night.